Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. next hour we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at goforitgant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, go to the website, goforradio.com. That's goforradio.com. Great show lined up for you today. Going to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. We're going to be joined by Eagles defensive end Stephen Means. Stephen Means and the Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. And I had a feeling that the Eagles were going to win Super Bowl 52. I believed, and I said on this air, that the Eagles were going to be the winners in Super Bowl 52. They were destiny's child. And they played like Destiny's Child throughout the course of the season. And Destiny's Child found a, found a way to get it done last Sunday. Nick Foles, improbable. You know, the defense struggling throughout, making an improbable play. Brandon Graham, strip sack. Derek Barnett recovers. The Eagles win Super Bowl 52. And it was a long game. It was a good game, it was a great game, and there was a lot of twists and turns and ups and downs and so on and so forth. But the Philadelphia Eagles found a way to get it done. They went through all these different things to get to this point. Lost the whole, we we can go down the list, but let's do it. Jordan Hicks, their their star linebacker, Achilles, Jason Peters, ACL, MCL, Nick Foles, ACL, LCL. I mean, the list goes on and on as Maragos. Uh, they lost their kicker week one, uh, Sturgis. They lost a bunch of different guys. But at the end of the day, the Philadelphia Eagles found a way to win Super Bowl 52 and found a way to get it done throughout the course of the season. We're going to bring in a guy who was a part of that, Stephen Means. Let's bring him in now. Guy celebrating a Super Bowl. Super Bowl 52, the Philadelphia Eagles found a way to, to slay the giant, if you will, Tom Brady and the Patriots. And this guy was a part of it. Let's bring him in now, Eagles defensive end, Stephen Means. Stephen, how are you? I'm doing real good, boy. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. And Stephen, how's it feel, man? Yep. I mean, it's been a few days, but how's it feel to be a Super Bowl champion? <laughs> It feels real good, man. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure it'll feel a lot better once we once we hit the parade tomorrow and you know get the rings. For sure, for sure. And and so we just look at this journey, and it was a long journey for you guys. Let, let's go to the game now. And I mean, there 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 was a lot of pivotal moments, whether it's Nick Foles' catch before halftime, or whether it's Brandon Graham's strip sack. 
from your point of view, what what was kind of that big? What was kind of the biggest moment in that game for you? Um, Nick Nick Nick's catch was was a good moment. Um, you know, because it, because it was a touchdown, because it was a crucial point of the game, and because it was uh, the same play that you know the Patriots had ran prior. But um, I think the biggest moment in the game was was my man BG strip sack. Okay. You know, that was the, the it was the, the turning point in the game, uh, and and you know, evidently what led to us, you know, being able to capitalize and, you know, kick another field goal, which put us up by eight, you know, pinning them to knee in a, a, a touchdown and a two-point conversion. So, um, yeah, I would say BG strips that play was, was the biggest turning point. And, and I look at that game and, you know, coming into the game, I thought process, first and foremost, I thought you guys would win because I thought you were the better team from top to bottom. Coming into that game, right. and I know about the whole underdog thing. You guys were underdogs throughout the course of these playoffs. But coming into this game, right. did you feel like your team was better from top to bottom than the Patriots? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the past couple of years, uh, you know, teams that play the Patriots has probably been a little bit better. And so, you know, you can't really get caught up on, um, you know, who got the better team and then get comfortable and complacent on saying, okay, we've got the better team so because we, so we're going to win. Um, I think, you know, looking at the reality of the matter is, is what kept us on top of our game. And the reality was they had Tom Brady. And, and um, you know, that alone, he can win games. And you've seen it in the Super Bowl last year. Um, he put guys in position. And, and even this year, you know, it was a it was a barn burner. Um, he lit it up. Nick lit it up. And, you know, it was one of those games that was one of them, you know, them epic games that's going to go down in history. But yeah, I mean, you know, we we felt like we had a better team the whole year, um, with guys stepping up through injuries and, and things like that, you know. But when you when you look at a team, you got to look at their strengths and their weaknesses, and they their biggest strength was Tom Brady. And to me, coming into the game, that was the equalizer. Like even though I felt you guys were better from top to bottom, it was the Tom Brady factor. He's he's like Michael Jordan, and in a lot of ways, his ability to just carry a team and just take a team over the top. I look at Tom Brady, over 500 yards passing. He, he carved you guys up pretty good. W- were you surprised that he was able to do that to you guys? Because you guys, you, you held this, uh, the Falcons to 10 points. You held the Vikings to 7 points. But Tom Brady right. went off. And were you surprised by that? A <laughs> um, little bit, you know, because we, we knew that he was going – uh, get the ball out quick because because of the pass rush. So we you know we expected those those dink and dunk throws, and we kind of prided on okay we gonna have to we gonna try to force them to march it down the field that way. But they was able to get some big plays in, and um, you know tempo and everything. We expected it all. We knew it was all coming in. You know he still was able to do what he does, and that's you know that that's to be expected. But you know we buckled down when it was time to buckle down. And we got the win, and that's really what matters at the end. So, There's no doubt. We're talking the Eagles defensive end, Stephen Means. And, and you said ultimately you guys were able to buckle down, and ultimately you guys were able to get the win. I look at that game against the Patriots, and I compare it to the Rams game from the standpoint that, you know, the Rams were going up and down the field on you guys. They had a lot of success moving the ball, running the ball, passing the ball, you know, just scoring the ball. They had a lot of success against your defense. But at the end, 
your defense made a play. Chris Long made a play. And it was so familiar and so similar to what we saw in Super Bowl 52. Talk about that. Man, um, it's, it's what we've been doing all year, man. We, we, we don't always paint the prettiest picture in these victories, but, you know, we, we talk about it in the mean rooms. It don't matter if we win by 100 or if we win by a point or half a point or however we get it done as long as we get it done. And, and that, you know, the, that, that's the motto of our team. We, we scratch and claw until we find a way. And, you know, even if it don't look good, you know, with the Giants, I think we was down 21 nothing. You know, something like that early on, scratching, claw our way back. No matter what happens, we're going to keep fighting. If we get hit, we're going to swing back harder. If we get knocked down, we're going to get up swinging a, a knockout punch. You know, so it's just – it's not surprising to me that it happened. It was just a great moment, you know, for it to happen. BG's um, probably one of the closest teammates on the team to me. So I don't, I don't think it could happen to a better person. But, um, you know, just – just a testament to the whole team, the coaches, the whole year, just being able to just fight through it all adversity and just never give up, never even for one second buckle and say, oh, we lost this one. We, we really fight it until it's over, and that's, that's what happened. Looking at your defense, and like we said, Patriots had a lot of success, over 600 yards total offense. As that game was going on, were you on the sideline trying to lift the guys up defensively? And were the guys, uh, you know, the defense a little frustrated that they weren't able to stop Brady? Nah. Um, I'm, I'm always the guy, you know, trying to give feedback to the guys and, you know, tell them what I see from looking at it. And, um, you know, guys was coming to me asking me what you see, you know, tell me what's up, well, what I need to do, uh, you know. But um, at the, at the same time, it was a sense of calmness over there on the on the sideline. Um, you know, it it's kind of tough to explain when you when when you're not in it. But um, the confidence that our defense has is probably one of the strongest confidence uh, defense I've ever been on. You know, just from you know feeling like no matter what, we'll overcome it, and feeling like you know even when it's going bad, it's like. It's not going bad because of them. It's going bad because of us. And I, and I, and I think that's probably the, the best way to explain it is that's our mentality is we can't be beat. The only way we lose is if we beat ourselves. So when we was blowing coverages and when we was not getting putting pressure on and missing tackles, they was getting big plays. But as soon as we started to make those tackles and, you know, uh, defend those, those receivers and, and everything else, uh, put pressure on a quarterback, that's when the game started to turn and you started to see, like, okay, they hear it for real. And, you know, we that, that's really what happened. Now, as I said, just, just looking at the game and just watching the game, we, we, look, we, we know with your defensive line, you guys have a rotation and you rotate guys in and out. And, and so guys are able to stay fresh throughout the course of that game. <coughs> we look at right. The last two drives, you know, obviously the first drive that the Patriots had, you got the strip sack, beach, uh, Brandon Graham, you know, you get the fumble recovery, right. and then you get back on the field again, and you were hitting Brady again in that last drive. What was it? Did you feel like, you know, your defense was fresh, defensive line was fresh for those final two drives because of the way you guys rotate? 
Yeah, I think they did a good job of keeping us all from being able to sub. And they, they, they knew that coming in. Uh, and they talked about it in interviews about, you know, us substituting and bringing in fresh legs. So the Temple, you know, trying to hurry up and get us caught with 12 men on the field, which they did once. Um, you know, trying to tire us out by running Temple to, to just keep people on the sideline and keep the guys on the field on the field. Um but, you know, we, we talked about it and we even conditioned a little bit more in practice to get ready for those moments. We went over on that practice. So, you know, when it, when it came, we was kind of used to it. And when we got caught, you know, we kind of like, oh, okay. And we knew that was coming. You know, let's just buckle up that play over. Let's get to the next one. And, um, you know, at the end of the game, when, when they got the ball, we knew that he was going to have to hold it. And, and I was telling the guys that, and they was talking about it amongst themselves, man. You know, they were saying, okay, he's going to have to hold it now. So now we got a chance to really get to him, man. And, um, you know, <laughs> they went out there and BG got a sack and they kept coming. And, you know, we once we get one, we get them in bunches. And we might not get sacks all the time, but we get hits and we get knockdowns and pressures and hurries. And they come in bunches and you've seen it. We're talking to Eagles defensive end Stephen Mead. Just going into that last drive, what, what was the mindset of the defense going into that last drive? Um, a familiar one, you know, we, I think we might've won more games in the last drive with the defense on the field than, than, than we won any other way. Um, it, it was one that was just familiar. And, and I think experience is the, the biggest thing, you know, at this, at this uh, stage, when you play in the NFL, you know, being experienced and seeing things before. And that's why people harp on watching film a lot. You know, they just want you to be, used to seeing stuff, certain, certain things. But um, going into the last drive, like I said, it was it's one that we had already been through. We had experience with it. We knew that we we fight to the finish, and, you know, we wouldn't put it no other way for us to be up at the last drive, and all we got to do is make a stop. All we got to do is do something that we've been doing all year, do our job, and we're going to come off victorious Super Bowl champ. And, and that game, it, it was just – it came down to what which defense would step up, and ultimately right. the Philadelphia Eagles defense was the defense that stepped up and caused the turnover that kind of helped you guys clinch the game and ultimately win Super Bowl 52. Nick Foles. Right, right. I mean, the, the, the guy, he was good against the Falcons, great against the Vikings, and great again against the uh, Patriots in Super Bowl 52. <laughs> what is it about this guy? I mean, he played a big-time game, had a big-time performance. Talk about what Nick Foles did in these playoffs. Man, it's his faith. It's his faith. He, his faith, he don't get shaken. And, you know, at, even as even though he was backing up, mo- most, most teams I've been on, uh, the practice squad quarterback, take the look reps for the defense. The backup quarterback chills out, and the starting quarterback takes the reps for the offense. He was taking the reps for the look, the, the defense the whole year. And then, you know what I mean? So he, he stayed in tune with everything. And, and even though he wasn't in the reps with the offense, he was back there going through his steps, you know, even, even like, you know, acting out his throws and looking at who he would throw it to as Carson was dropping back. So when Carson went down and he came in, all he had to do was get his feet up under him, and then those same plays started to come back, and he was already used to doing them. He already had that experience, and 
that's not even talking about his experience before now. He didn't been to, you know, big stage games and he didn't set records for the Eagles with touchdowns every single game and you know, he he'd been there before and his faith never wavered. And I remember uh after that the pass he threw to Elshon and it got intercepted. Um he came to the sideline and, and um I think it was Ertz or, or uh Selick walked up to him and I was like, hey, man, well, you, you know, you're good. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, he had this, like, this face on him. It was like, it's kind of like he was playing a game and throwing it in And then we was up by a lot of points. He, it didn't matter to him. He was like, you know, he knew he threw a, right, a good ball, and it didn't even phase him. And that's him. Like, he's never shaken because he stands so firm in his face. Now, with going back to the Carson Wentz injury, you know, at the time, as a fan of the Eagles, I had my doubts. I, I, I didn't think that Nick Foles could get to Philadelphia. Here's what, the, here's what I thought. I, I thought there was a possibility he could get up to the Super Bowl. And then, you know, uh, the Giants game, I was confident. Then the Raider game came. I started to lose some confidence. Cowboy game, you know, he played a quarter, started to lose some confidence. But then, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just I wasn't sure if he could get it done, and, and I had my doubts. Did you have... Mm-hmm. Any doubt that, that Nick Foles could get you to this point when Carson Wentz went down? Um, we, we had this, this mindset um, from, I think, I believe it was the, I want to say the third game of the season where Garrett Bont came in and uh, he was just like, yo, all, all we got to do is win one more. Somebody was like, what you mean? He's like, we just need one more. And, like, you know, everybody was looking around. And he was like, man, you just need one more game. And then you just need one more. And then after that game, you just need one more. And then the next thing you know, you're going to be, we're going to be in the Super Bowl and we're going to be talking about, you just need one more. And that, so, from that perspective, I knew Nick could go out there and win one more. When Carson went down, I knew he can go out there and win the Giants game. That's all we needed was him to win the Giants game. Raiders game, that's all we needed was him to win the Raiders game. See what I'm saying? So we, we went those steps and we was like, oh, yeah, he's he going he to be good against Atlanta. That's all we need to win. We don't need, we, we, you know what I mean? This is, our, this is the only game in front of us. Once we get done with that one, then we go to the next one. And then when we got to the Super Bowl, like, we, we never thought at one, at one moment that he would not be able to win that next one. And so you saying, you know, lost a little bit of confidence. That's normal. That's natural because you don't, you know what I mean? Like you're not around all of those positive vibes and you kind of, right. you know, you, you just don't know. So you started to lose that, that confidence a little bit and that's okay because you're not alone. You know, most people lost their confidence. if not out it all the way, you know, counted us out. And that's when the underdog mentality started to build and we set off of it and we, you know, we, 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 we embraced it, but, but no, to answer your question, Never did, did I ever waver from thinking that, that Nick could get it done. Doug Peterson. I, I mean, this guy, he put some great game plans together against the Falcons, against the Vikings, and ultimately in Super Bowl 52. Another great game plan. He's gutsy. He, he, he just has – he's bold. He's aggressive. And, you know, and he puts together great game plans. I mean, the fourth right. goal – I remember talking to you earlier, going to talk about the fourth downs and, 
you know, how he likes to go on fourth down over and over. You know, he's a lot of confidence in his team. I mean, on those two fourth down calls, I mean, what was the mindset of the team when he, when he decided to go forward on fourth down, down at the goal line? And then again, in the fourth quarter, where he decided to go forward on fourth down with about five minutes to go. What was the mindset of the team? I mean, you, like like I said before, I mean, it, 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 to me, first, it's crazy he didn't get close to the year. But um, to to think about going his you know going forward on fourth down and being gutsy like that, that that's something we've been used to. And we used to look at each other like, Woof. and and then you know like people would be like, man, let's go. And then you know the defense would get ready, and it got to the point now where you go forward on fourth down, defense still sitting on the sideline, and you know nobody even. Everybody kind of confident in each other now. Like he confident to make those calls because he you know the offense can get them done, and he confident that if they don't, for whatever reason, that the defense can be able to go out there and stop them. So it's, it's a, like I said, it's a familiar feeling because we've been doing it all year. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, and you know credit to him. I mean, a lot of people had some doubts about Doug Peterson when he took the job a couple years ago. Um, and, you know, some people didn't think he had what it takes to be a, a, a big-time coach in this league. Talk about Doug Peterson, the coach. Oh, great guy. Um, amazing, amazing. Uh, like, like you said, crazy play caller. Um, I hear guys, you know, I, I'm not in the offense of home, so I don't really know, you know, the, the ins and outs of his offensive schemes and everything, but – I hear offensive guys talking about, you know, like, man, he the best play caller I've ever been around. And this guy is playing the league for, you know, seven-plus years saying this stuff. And, um, you know, you the, the vibe you get from him from TV interviews and everything like that, that's really him. Like, you know, some people, it's a bad when they wear their emotions on their shoulder. That's really how he is. So when you see him laughing and smiling, that's really him, and if he if he mad, that's really how he is. Like, but you if you gotta try to get him mad, he's that much of a player's coach. Where, okay. like he, you know what I mean? Like you gotta if you do you gotta really do something to really tick him off in order for him to be mad as a coach. We're talking to Eagles defensive end Stephen Means, Malcolm Butler didn't play in the game. What, what what was the reaction of your side? Well, you didn't see Malcolm Butler get on the field. And, you know, we don't know what exactly happened. So many different stories out there. Right. But what was what was the reaction on your side when you didn't see him come out and, on the field? I didn't care. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't care. I, I mean, I'm, you know, they got to handle their side. I don't know. You know, we, we can sit here all day, like for probably like an hour and talk about well, what would have happened if he was in or everything would have been the same if he was in or, you know, it would have been where, you know, we could sit here and, you know, ponder on that thought for a while. But I'll, to be honest with you, 100% honest and real, I really don't care if, he, if you know what I mean, what happened or if he played or what. I don't know. And, and all, all I know is we got the win and we're going to have the rings and we got the trophy in Philly. And that's what I know. <laughs> So, going to that last play, the Hail Mary, I mean, you know, as a fan, you know, like I said, a right. lifelong Eagles fan. So, as a fan, 
it was so exciting when that was double zero, but it was so scary because that ball seemed like it was in the air forever, and it seemed like they had a legitimate shot at catching that ball. What was your reaction watching that final play, knowing that you guys, you know, after the play that you guys were Super Bowl champions? What was your reaction on that final play? You want me to be honest? Yeah. I didn't even watch the play. I was I was grabbing the Gatorade to throw on coach like that. When I say like our confidence level, we knew we won. You know what I mean? Like we I I'm I I'm unwrapping the Gator the Gatorade uh cooler top to take off the Gatorade. I didn't even know what happened. I couldn't see because I was so far back on the bench trying to Tied with the Gatorade cooler with uh, Kamu. So I didn't even know, like, normally if we'd have been home, I listened for the cheer, like, and then I would have knew that we wanted to do it on them. But, I, you know, it's both sides there. So, you know, don't, you don't know who cheering. So I just see our sideline light up, and then I know, okay, it's go time. And, then, you know, we threw the Gatorade on them. But to be honest, I didn't even watch the play, you know, for that last one. I just had that much faith and confidence that we, we, we had one. But after that moment, it was it was surreal, and you know everything that you imagine and more after that. Right. Wow. I watched it. I was scared. I was scared. <laughs> Fortunately for you, you did watch. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so does this feel? I mean, uh, you know, Super Bowl is a Super Bowl. Winning the championship is winning the championship. Does this feel a little extra special? Being a guy like Tom Brady, five-time Super Bowl winner. A, a guy who Brady and Belichick and the Patriots in general, but a, a guy who's won five Super Bowls ultimately could be the greatest quarterback of all time. Does it make it a little extra sweeter that you guys were able to beat the Patriots? Yeah, I think it just kind of it put the stamp on our season because okay. um you know in the beginning three and zero like oh man they barely beat the Giants and then you know we go on we struggle and fight and in uh, L.A. against the Chargers, you know, and then people started to doubt, like, oh, no, you know, Philly's 4-0, but you know, not really, I mean, 3-1, but, you know, they're not really making that, making that embark, you know, they're not embarking on and really making that, that, that stance. And so, you know, we go on in the season and then, you know, people start to talk about, oh, okay, you know, maybe they might be for real. The Eagles are for real. And then curse can go down and it's like, oh, it's over. Season is out, out the door. And then, you know, it's like, okay, well, the Eagles are still hanging in there, but they're not playing so good. And then we go and we play Atlanta, and everybody like, oh, they're going to lose to Atlanta. You know, they're going to be the team to go losing in the first round. And then we go play the Vikings. And they're already making the pictures of the Super Bowl with the Vikings quarterback and Tom Brady. And, uh, <laughs> so it's like, wow, like, you know. And then we win that game, and I think if we would have played anybody else, people would still be saying, well, if they would have paid the Patriots, they would have lost. So for us to play the best, you know, and when I talk about the best, I'm talking about Tom Brady. For us to play the best and come away with the win and have the kind of game we had and the type of season we had with the guys that stepped up that we had, I think that was just like the perfect stamp. Like, you talk about a walk-off play, that was the walk-off, you know, game of the season for us. Now let's get to the to the locker room celebrations. And I mean, you guys, you know, you, you had the Meek Mill 
uh, you had that blasting. <laughs> I mean, you guys were just bouncing. And, I mean, what, take us through the scene in that locker room. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We that That's what we do. I think from preseason last year, I want to say, I mean, he, he make an emphasis in saying, let your personality show. And those are the exact words, you know, let your personality show. And so when, when you see us running around out there and, you know, having fun with the music, that's really us. Like, that's really us in practice. You see guys dancing, you know, but, but we, we, we kind of like, you know, we tune in. We know when we got to work and we know when it's time to, you know, celebrate. And that that was just, it was amazing. I mean, you could even see the, you could even see the owner in the room, you know, dancing and having fun with us. That That's just, you know, it, it's just perfect. Speaking of Meek Bill, I, I mean, you guys seem to have a lot of love for Meek. Have yeah. you reached out to him? Uh, no, nah, I don't really know if he's on that stage yet, you know, to reach out to Meek. But okay. to, I can go on record saying that's my favorite rapper. Um, All right. You can go on my, my phone, my playlist, that's, you know, that's 80% of what you're going to see in my whole library is Meek Mill. I've been listening to him since he was a battle rapper all the way up till now. Um so you know, I, I'm going. I'm going to say all the best things about me, you know. But but yeah, and I haven't personally reached out to him and then. But I'm in the every time they play Meek Mill's song. If I'm not in the game, I'm standing on a bench, yelling out all the lyrics. We in the locker room. I'm front and center, you know. And, and everybody know when they turn Meek Mill on, they all look at me like, "Oh, here go me," and I'm going for a go. <laughs> so we, we saw the celebration in the locker room. What are the parties like, man? I mean, how do you party after you win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I don't really, you know, parties ain't really my scene. I don't really, you know, I, I ain't grow up in the best parts of, of being able to party. Okay. Um, so, you know, I don't really I don't really indulge in the parties. I, I have fun in, in, in regular life. That The nightlife is really not my scene. But, um, you know, getting a glance at the Super Bowl party, it was it was crazy, you know. It was great, and then you know I left soon after. But um, you know it's it, you can only imagine. I could only imagine. That ain't even a question I can really answer. I don't really do the the partying, but <laughs> so I mean we just look at this whole situation now. I mean, like you said, you're going to get a ring, the parade, all that good stuff. Can you believe that you're a Super Bowl champion? Oh, not, not yet. It ain't, it ain't hit me yet. You know, it, it, it felt like it felt like we beat the Patriots. You know what I mean? It, it, it felt like that. That's what it felt like. It felt like we beat the Patriots. No more games. And everybody in the world seen us beat the Patriots. Until tomorrow, or you know, we get the ring. I think that's one that hit me. And I, and I know it hit a couple people already. People that won it before. People that never been there. You know. Um, but for me, it's like. You know, I, I think I think it's gonna take that. You know, it always take me a while for me to like feel stuff like that for it to settle in. It took me like maybe like three to four years before I realized like, wow, I really made it to the NFL. So I think it's gonna be you know one of those same things with the, the whole Super Bowl championship. What you gonna do with that ring? I'm gonna put it right on my middle finger and. I'm going to stare at it for probably about two days. <laughs> and then I'm going to stare at it again for about another day, and I'm going to thank God for it the whole 
the whole time I got it wrong, and I'm going to put it back in the safe, and I'm going to show anybody who impact my life throughout my life, let them put it on, you know, let them see it, and, you know, just try to go get another one. Just one more. For sure. Same mentality. Sure. We need another one. So let me let me ask you. I, I know you know you were in, inactive throughout these playoffs, but how did you try to stay connected to, to everything? Um. So it, it's it's tough to to try to stay connected when you when you when you want to play. Um. So my faith is you know my faith in staying in the Bible and staying prayed up. Um, that's what kept me strong enough to be able to stay connected. And um, as far as staying connected with the guys, standing in front of them um, at the end of the week or at the beginning of the week with a, with a book, notebook, and I got a notebook on guys. Um, every week I'm studying the guys we're going against, whether I'm playing or not. And at the end of the week I let them know who exactly I'm talking about, um, how many plays they had the whole season, what they've been beat by, what what don't work on them, you know, what how many sacks they got, how many pressures they got, let them know what those pressures and sacks was, and I go down the line and I don't just do the tackles, I do the interior guys for the you know, for the interior guys. I do the guards and the centers and um, you know, staying intact like that. But most importantly, you know, that that's for the defense and that's for, you know, D line, but on the offensive side of the ball, me and Lane Johnson battle. Me and Big V we battled. Me and them tight ends, we didn't got any we didn't got into it a, a lot. And you know that that's what I bring to them. I bring that game time rep atmosphere. And Lane to tell you, like, he done told me this almost every single game. He say he been he come out the sideline and shaking his head, like, man, they ain't nothing. I, I we, we 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 do the game every day. Practice like the game. So on the game it's easy. I'm used to it, so that's kind of my, my contribution, but more than contribution is me staying ready, too. So I'm studying guys for when I do get my shot. And I'm out there going hard because I'm ready. You know what I mean? I want to stay ready, so I don't got to get ready when my time do come. For sure. Obviously, man, it was it was a great run for you guys. And one more quick thing before we get out of here. I remember interviewing you earlier this season, and I asked you this question. I asked for you guys a Super Bowl caliber team. You said you couldn't answer it because you've never been on a Super Bowl team. So now that you're right, on right. a Super Bowl <laughs> team, when did you realize that this team was Super Bowl caliber? Um, Against the Chiefs when we lost. Okay. Um, Corey Graham. Corey Graham was, he was on the sideline. And um, I think it was when the ball bounced off of somebody's shoe. And Zach Ertz caught it. All right. And they reviewed it, and it was a catch. It was hit hit his foot or something on his body, and it went up in the air. Zach caught it and kept running. He looked back, and was, everybody was like, whoa. And um, he looked at me, and he said, bro, that's the type of stuff that happened to us when we won, in, when we won a Super Bowl in Baltimore. When I was with the Ravens, that's the type of stuff that happened to us, these type of moments. And I was like, okay. And every game, something like that happened. A wow moment. And I was like, yo. And then when, when we start to lose people, key people, starters, 
the the blood, the 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 heart of their position, the J, Jason Peters, heart of the O line, Jordan Hicks, the heart of the linebackers, Chris Miracles, the heart of the special teams. You got Ronald Darby, who was going crazy in the secondary, lost him the first game of the season. You got Carson Wentz, who was heart of the offense and arguably the heart of the team. You know what I mean? Like, when, when you see those injuries and things like that happen and guys step up and it's not losing a beat, it's like, man, okay, we got them. Wow. Okay, so that moment in time when, when you realize that things could end well for you guys and ultimately, as we saw, yeah. it ended well for you guys and ended great. You think you guys can repeat? Yeah, of course. We just, we just need, we just, you know, we focusing on that first preseason game. We just got to win one more. <laughs> <laughs> so, fans, make sure you check this man out on Twitter. Means Business 56. Stephen Means, he's a Super Bowl champion, y'all, and so are the Philadelphia Eagles. And one quick thing Appreciate before we get out of here, the fans. I mean, you know the Philadelphia fans were some starved fans for a championship. Man, Does that make this whole thing feel a little extra special? What? What? You talking about the Saints? So I've been on four different teams. Five years and I've been on four teams. That's not including every stadium I've been in. I think I've been in every stadium. <laughs> and coming in, coming into Philly, uh, Seahawks Stadium, loudest stadium I've ever been in. Then early on we went to the Chiefs Stadium and I was like, wow, it's loud here. And it's not even it's not even closed in like how the Seahawks Stadium is. The playoff games, the national championship game, man, you talk about the best fans. I'm standing up on the bench more than I was on the than I was on the ground, chanting with the fans. You know what I mean? Like the, the craziest fans, the best fans, you want your fans to be crazy about you. You want your fans to love you that much that they out here in negative degree weather and you know no no clothes on. You know what I mean? Like you you want that, and that's that's what we got here in Philly. So the best fans. Sure, Stephen, man, congratulations! Absolute pleasure talking Appreciate to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Would love to do it again. All right, thanks, Paul. No doubt. Take care of yourself. All right, you too. All right. Stephen Means, defensive end for the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, a great time for him. Obviously, a great time to be a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles. This fan base, including myself, waited for a long time for this team to break through and win a championship. Those Donovan years, McNabb years, we got so close, but yet we were so far. You know, we got to that Super Bowl with McNabb and T.O. We lost to those those Patriots and Tom Brady, you know, and, and they got an opportunity 13 years later against Tom Brady, and it, it's crazy. Tom Brady was there then. Tom Brady is there now, and he came on back, and they came on back, and ultimately they beat uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots. Tremendous game. Great game from start to finish. Offenses, both offenses were, were, were prolific. Both offenses had an easy time getting the ball up and down the field. Both offenses had an easy time scoring. Both offenses just dominated the defense. And it was one of those games where it came down to whatever team 
could do what they needed to do on the defensive end to help their team win the game. Whatever team could step up and make the big play. What defense could do it first? And the Eagle defense was the defense that did it first. They created the turnover that was needed. The uh, Brandon Graham strip sack. Derek Barnett recovers. The Philadelphia Eagles kick a field goal, 41-33. and And then it came down to the Hail Mary. And, and you remember um, against the Giants the first time when they were undefeated. And they, you know, you, no, was it the first time? Maybe it was the second time. Maybe it was the first time, I remember. But, I mean, when they had another Hail Mary. was kind of close as well. And that, that Hail Mary was close. And for, as a fan, I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't relaxed until I saw all those zeros on the clock. And so I heard Al Michael say the game was over. And when he said that, oh, when he said that, it was a wonderful, beautiful time. It was amazing. It was truly, 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 truly amazing. And coming into the game, the game went the way I, I thought it would in terms of, you know, Eagles better from top to bottom, but the Patriots had Tom Brady. Obviously, I didn't expect 41 to 33. Obviously, I didn't expect both of those teams to put up uh, uh, those type of points, those kind of points. But from top to bottom, I knew the Eagles were a better football team. But Tom Brady is Tom Brady, and Tom Brady almost willed that team to victory. He did everything he could do in that particular game to, to get the Patriots, you know, to help the Patriots win that particular football game. He did everything he could. But at the end of the day, that defense for New England was horrible. They, they, they were bad. The Eagles were able to do anything they wanted. They were able to run the ball, Jai and Blunt, able to pass the ball, Foles, Jeffries, uh, Ertz, Clement. Corey Clement made some, had a tremendous game. That, that touchdown catch was a great catch. That was a tough catch at the back of the end zone. You know? and, and so Philadelphia, for them – to win this game and, and, and to get it done the way they did in Super Bowl 52, it was amazing. It, it was amazing, but it wasn't surprising. And I look at Nick Foles. I didn't think Nick Foles was capable of what he did. But at the end, of, you wonder, and I'm just thinking out loud on some level, but you wonder. You know, Nick Foles, a veteran, been in this league a few times, you wonder if that stage would have been, I don't want to say too big for Carson Wentz, but he's young. And so, and only in his second year, and he's well ahead of the schedule. Ahead of schedule. You wonder on that stage, the playoff stage, and even in the Super Bowl, would that moment have been too big for Carson Wentz? And granted, I don't have anything to base that on. Because I don't know if that moment would have been too big for Carson Wentz. I don't think so. But Nick Foles is 29 years old. Nick Foles has played seven seasons in the National Football League. Nick Foles has been through some things in this league. Carson Wentz hasn't been through some of the things Nick Foles has been through. Granted, Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Nick Foles. But Nick Foles has had some seasoning and has been through some adversity throughout the course of his career to get to this point. I don't think we could have expected, you know, Carson, Nick Foles, 352 yards, three touchdowns against the Vikings. Nick Foles, 
373 yards, three touchdowns against the Patriots. Could Carson Wentz have put up those numbers? Maybe. But, I mean, for a quarterback to play the way Nick Foles did in those games, I don't think any quarterback in the National Football League could have played as good as Nick Foles did in those games. Now, I'm not saying the moment would have been too big for Carson Wentz, but there's always the possibility that that moment could have been too big for Carson Wentz. He is only in the second year in, in the National Football League. I don't know. I, I'm just thinking out loud here. But I, I, at the end of the day, Nick Foles was tremendous. He was amazing, and he did things I didn't think he could do. We're going to bring in a guy now, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer Willie Rove. Willie. Paul, how you doing today? Doing well. Doing great, actually. Doing great. Great I Super Bowl. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm very happy. You know, they got their first Super Bowl. I go to the gym, and my, the guy that uh, stretches me named Frank, he's from Philly, and uh, everybody's so happy about uh, everything that's going on and winning that first ring. It was amazing. It was amazing. You know, just looking back at that game, and, and, and coming into that game, it was my opinion, I think you, you shared it, that Philadelphia was the better team from top to bottom, but it was that Tom Brady factor. And, and Tom Brady, you know, as great as he is, almost lifted the Patriots to victory in that particular game. But it was clear to me as I was watching the game that Philadelphia was the better football team. What did you see? I thought Philly was a better team. I thought it was going to be a little more defense played uh, uh, than it was. And uh, Philly, the D lineman, who, who the, the young boy they drafted high, made the play to, you know, to seal it in the end with that great strip and at the right time. But, you know, was that the only sack in the game? I mean, I mean, uh, it was the offensive battle, and I mean that's great for ratings. But I thought Philly's defense would uh, make a few more plays. I'm still. Don't understand the whole situation with Malcolm Butler. I mean, if the kid did something before the game, then I would have I would have thought you would have set him and not even played him. You know, I mean, it's sad to see that kid who played 98 percent of the snaps, Paul, and and he dresses. I mean, if they, you know, and now going into a contract year and they don't want to pay him, well, you don't dress him. I mean, what kind of nerves do you have to set your starting corner, who's been All Pro and made the Pro Bowl? And you sit him, and he finds out about it right before, right during the national anthem. That takes a lot of guts. I, I mean, I don't understand a coach that can sit a Pro Bowl corner uh, uh, that's, that's been starting for you all year in a Super Bowl. So I, I, I really don't understand that. Yeah, and, and I don't, you know, we don't know at this point what he did. It, you know, there's all this different type of things out there. He's denied all those things that are out there. And and to me, you know, in that stage, in that moment, I'm not saying Malcolm Butler would have made a difference, but what I'm saying is he was better than the guy they had out there, Eric Rowe. He was I better. Made a, I think would have made a difference, Paul. I mean, the first touchdown they threw was on him. I mean, you can't right. even you can't tell that kid. That's a, that's putting him in a bad situation. You're basically telling him you're going to play the whole game unless they told him prior. I mean, I would think they told him prior. They didn't tell Malcolm, but they told him. So he mentally was prepared to know he's gonna play the whole game. But you put that kid in a tough spot when you when you bench a Pro Bowl cornerback. You know, what I mean, I you know I understand he was undrafted and they gave that other boy on the other side all that money for you sixty five million. But if you pay them sixty five million, I'm gonna want ten, eleven, twelve million a year, and deservedly so. Malcolm Butler deserves that contract. You know, he's from Vicksburg, uh, uh, Mississippi, right there, close to where. Uh, 
you know, where, uh, where I'm from in my area of the country. And, uh, you know, he worked hard for everything he got and, and to get where he was. And for them to do him like that on the biggest stage, you know, either he did something or he didn't do something, you're just trying to hurt his marketing free agency. But, you know, I, 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 that's just a ballsy call for a coach to sit uh, a Pro Bowl cornerback. Nobody, who else would have done that, Paul? I've never heard of that. And here's the thing, and you make a great point. It's not like he was told the day before, uh, a few days later, I mean a few days before. He was told right before kickoff, you know, what his role was going to be, and Eric Rowe was told what his role was going to be right before kickoff. I mean, it, it, it's almost like it, it, there seems a level of pettiness there. And, and I don't know, I, I mean, just from afar. It just seems like there's a level of pettiness there on the part of Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with some of the great things. You know, kind of hard to argue with with Bill Belichick considering his resume. But, you know, it it almost seems like ego on some level, you know, got him, got in the way of of possibly, you know, a a Super Bowl. We'll we'll agree that you don't think that that hurt the team to a certain point. Him not being out there hurt the team. I think it. I think it hurt the team too. I, I think we. I, I think it hurt it to a certain point. How much of a difference it would have made, I don't know. But I, I think we can acknowledge that it, it made a difference. The, the 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 type. You know how how much of a difference, I don't know. But I mean, it. He's a Pro Bowl cornerback. Oh. What's that? He's not a scrub. He's a Pro Bowl cornerback. No, he doesn't stink. He definitely doesn't stink. He definitely doesn't stink. And, you then, know, and then I saw Paul, you know, and I talked to a friend of mine. Uh, I saw that they, the Eagles were in a fake walkthrough because you know, there are rumors out. And I talked to my friend. I just was with him last weekend. He played for Carolina. We're from the same town. But he was telling me how they had him practicing. for the. He played for Carolina back in the Super Bowl in 04. And they had him practicing in the fifth ward before the game, and 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 and, and it was questions about whether the Patriots were watching them, watching and watching them their practices and getting right. their signals. I mean, and, and if that and then if that happened, I mean that's just unbelievable that they're practicing out in in a in a in an area they were practicing in where people had access to what they were doing. But but you know, I mean, there are rumors. That, 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 that they were getting signals from some of these teams before the big game. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise anybody. I don't, I don't think anybody would be surprised if that were truly the case. I mean, you know, so I, it's, yeah, you know, you the Patriots are the Patriots. Oh, that's, not, that's, not, that's not winning. You can't. You, that's, that's not, that's, you, know, well, can't, you can't respect that. But a wise man once said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And so, you know. You like that, Paul? I mean, I'm not, hey, I'm not condoning whether the, you know, what the Patriots did or didn't do. But what I'm saying from my standpoint is how much, everybody's trying to get an edge, you know, and you're going to try to get an edge whenever you can get an edge. And so the Patriots, if they did cheat, they tried to get in. Well, we do know for a fact that they they were fined for you know 
you know, taping signals and things of that nature. I mean, but I don't know. I mean, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And I think any team, if they could get an advantage, would try to get a, a similar advantage. I mean, I, I could be wrong on that. You played the game. You, you would know more th- than I would in terms of that particular thing. Well, I just don't think you need to do that before a game, any game. You know, to go and get some calls or watching plays or whatever, you know, I, I, I mean, I just don't agree with that. You know, not, you know, any organ, any professional game. I mean, it's, I mean, we, we, you guys are working too hard to go out there and perform at a high level, and for a team to have an unfair advantage, uh, uh, I mean, that, that that's like uh, using performance enhancing drugs. I mean, is that fair, Paul? Then, then for to get an advantage, so it's okay for. For guys to, well, to to use steroids or to do you know do stuff that you know that that that's not fair, but that's that's if you're it's saying, not right. So you're saying, but no, but basically you're saying it's okay for somebody to use steroids and a, a guy cross playing against him and use them. No, it's not. no, it's not. It's not right. But let's be honest. How many players out there? And we can't. You know, it's all purely speculation. How many players out here have have used some type of performance enhancing drug? and may have hidden it or on some level. I mean, I, we can't say that for sure, and it's not definitive. But, I mean, you know, I think everybody tries to get an edge on some level. Some people get caught. Some people don't. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, you shouldn't be cheating. You shouldn't be stealing signals. You shouldn't be taking performance ants and drugs. But I think we, we we would all be naive to the fact that if that, you know, we would be all naive if we not if we didn't say it doesn't happen. Because in reality, I mean, it, it probably does happen. I don't know how often. I don't know, you know, who's doing it, when they're doing it, so on and so forth. But I think we can all say that it, it's probably going on on some level with some players or, or, or somebody. So, I mean, I don't know. We're, we're, you know, we're talking we'll, to Hall we'll of Famers. Go ahead. I mean, we'll never know. It was, it, was a, it was a hell of a game. I think the better team went one. Uh, Tom Brady had another performance for the ages, 500 yards that hit the level that he's playing at. Um, arguably still the best quarterback in the league at 40 years old. Um, uh, Garoppolo, 7-0, and and you see the contract he just signed, a, pu- a pupil for a better check, but really a pupil of Tom Brady because that's what we studied and learned from Tom Brady. So um, you see you see how, how well he's gotten off to a start and how he got paid and if he finishes this contract, he would have made more than 14 years of Brady's career in that one contract for five years. And, you know, it's great to be a quarterback in the National Football League because that's a position everybody wants to get and everybody wants to solidify. So it's great as a quarterback, if you do something, you have an opportunity to get paid. And based off what Jimmy G, Jimmy G did, he just did something. He didn't do a lot. He did a little bit, and he did enough, ultimately, to get paid. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rose. So let me ask you this. Joe Montana, 4-0 in Super Bowl play, Tom Brady, 5-3. and To me, in my opinion, I still think Brady's the GOAT. First off, to get to the Super Bowl eight times, it's an absolute amazing feat. And, and it, you know, it, it, it's so hard to do. It's so hard to win in the National Football League, let alone get to eight Super Bowls. Him losing, him him being five and three in the Super Bowls, meaning Brady, does that change anything for you? No, I mean, look what he did 
did. He threw for 500 yards at his age. Nobody, nobody's thrown for 500 yards in the Super Bowl and played at the, at the, at the level he's played, playing at at his age. Nobody. Now, if you tell me somebody's has been his age playing as good as he, he played last year. I mean, just for him to play at the level and, be, and the consistency he's playing with, it's unbelievable. I mean, he's uh, – they're 5-3, and three, but it, it wasn't his fault, I mean, they lost that game. I mean, he played a great game. Uh, um was it was it was it was it one interception in the game? Was it was it one turnover? Well, the, uh, the eagle uh, Nick Foles threw a pick and then Brady Nick had Foles that fumble. And Brady yeah. had a yeah, he, the guy yeah he had a fumble that wasn't his fault. I mean, so the guy pretty much played almost a flawless, flawless game until that sack toward the end. I mean, it's um, you know he's the best to do it, and uh, you know if he gets another one or if he doesn't, he can walk away today today the best to do it at the quarterback position. I'm not going to say he's the best football player ever. I will say he's the best quarterback to ever play. Now, when you start talking about football players, now you got him in that conversation with Jim Brown and uh, Lawrence Taylor and some other guys that play football. But as far as quarterbacks, I will will have to say he is the best quarterback to do it. Uh, yeah, and I, I think at this point, you know, we can debate. It's kind of like on some level, it, it's on some level, not exactly, but it's kind of like LeBron Jordan argument from the standpoint, you know, Jordan was undefeated in the finals play. And I know LeBron's sub-500 in the NBA finals, but he got there multiple times, more, you know, eight times, you know, yeah, but, but at the end of the day. He's only won three, so. Right, he's sub-500. Jordan, so. you know, Jordan's still the, I think the argument with quarterback, I didn't say best football player, quarterback, but the argument with best basketball player, I can't put LeBron. You know, even for the rest of his career, he can go all kind of numbers. I still, I still would never put him ahead of Jordan. So if LeBron won two more championships. You wouldn't put him ahead of Jordan. So that, that means that means maybe I, maybe ten finals appearances. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be hard to put him ahead of anybody ahead of Jordan. It is. It is. It is. It is. And, and like I said, it's not an exact debate, but it is similar from the standpoint. That Montana is undefeated in uh, Super Bowl play, and and Michael Jordan is undefeated. Yeah, yeah, if he gets two more, you can put him ahead of Magic. Magic what did Magic have? Magic had five, didn't he? Magic had five, yeah. And Magic played center and got MVP of the first one. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, if you want him, because he's going to go for over thirty, he's going maybe end up the, the leading scorer of all time. But yeah, he's in the discussion. But I, I still wouldn't put him ahead of Jordan. I wouldn't either. I, I wouldn't either. Uh, we'll see what happens. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rowe. So you were out there in Minnesota. I mean, talk about your experience out there in Minnesota. You know, you're out there with, with, with your company, Frame Your Game. Talk about your experience out there in Minnesota. It was good. We, you know, we weren't uh, really selling it. We weren't selling there. But, uh, you know, I did the Taste of the NFL, which is a great event to raise. Uh, where, where, that's what we do every year, and we do the taste, and I do the Saints table. But basically, all the proceeds from the from the taste of the NFL is to raise money to feed people that don't have, and and they feed a, a thousands of uh, people with the, with this event every year. And it, it started in, in Minneapolis in 1992 was the first one, so it was going back to where it originated. Great event, um, went out one night, we got my ring. Uh, been waiting, and my wife got her pendant, and I got my 
my second Hall of Fame ring. So I was very happy about getting that on um, Friday uh, morning and uh, saw the guys that were uh, possibly all the guys that were on the finalist list showed up except for obviously T.O. still upset about some things and he hadn't really been hanging out because he feels like he's been slighted. But I would, I would like to just, tell, you know, uh, Lance Swan waited 14 years and, you know, T.O. has to understand in 1,500 years when people go in that museum, they won't know how long you waited and what happened. They'll, they'll just know you're in the NFL Hall of Fame. So, you know, you, you got to look at this from the big picture, and I understand he's upset about having to wait three years. And, you know, a lot of guys probably waited, and you got guys waiting now that were excellent football players. So he's in the hall, and uh, it's only a few, or 300 and a few guys that are in the Hall of Fame. So hopefully by, by then he'll, you know, appreciate that he is in the hall, and you know we all we all you know you know I would have I I had to wait a year you know and people can argue you know that I shouldn't have waited a year and Whitlock did you know things happen so you know right. it is what it is you just got to uh, be thankful that you got in and you would had a chance to play football at that level it's very few people that can say that and it's only a hundred and fifty guys that are living in this, that are in there so. You know, you just have to uh, count your blessings. Any surprises for you in terms of the hall this this year's class? I was surprised two 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 linebackers got in. I was surprised. Okay. I thought I, I thought everybody would get in, but I didn't think uh, I didn't think Erlach was got got in. I thought a lineman would get in. Right. I, I I predicted that the guys got in got in. The only did Brian Dawkins included. The only the only change I had I had. Um, uh, uh, Kevin Malwai played 16 years, 238 game starts, uh, seven-time All-Pro, you know, eight-time Pro Bowler and All-Decade guy. So I thought I know he's a center, but but Kevin Malwai played a long time in this league, and and you know I, I thought that Kevin, you know, they were saying Joe Jacoby, you know, excellent football player, but you know he played on the football team, but he went to four Pro Bowls, and they already put Russ Grimm in. So you're gonna put both tackles that went to four Pro Bowls in, and you got you got Richmond way up, who's seven-time Pro Bowler, all-decade team, that's not even on the finalist list, and you got Baselli there, he played seven years, and you got uh, the Bruce Armstrong, that played his whole career with the Patriots, fourteen years, and these guys aren't on the on the finalist list, and you know, and, and you got guys that, that that are getting in and went to four Pro Bowls, so you know, like I said, I thought um, Kevin Malwai, you know. We should have got in. Is usually you don't put two guys at the same position in, so you did two two at the same position, receiver and linebacker, middle linebacker. Right. So I was I was a little surprised about that. I was surprised. I was surprised about Earl Locker. I, you know, I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Famer. I just didn't expect first ballot Hall of Fame. But you know, the the, the voters you know have their reasons for why they do what they do. So you know, obviously frame your game. You're doing big things with that. I know you can go to Amazon, type in Frame Your Game, and a bunch of different things will pop up. What you got out there for Eagles fans? Well, you know, we're working on some stuff right now. We're talking to some, you know, we did real good at the trade show in Vegas. And uh, when we get things finalized, Paul, we're going to, I think we'll have some, Eagles fans will be able to buy, uh, uh, we'll be selling it more, more places where people will be able to buy it and, uh, the next step is getting 
you know, uh, some type of pictures or some type of thing in there that has that 2018 Super Bowl champs on it, that would be great for us to have some type of picture memorabilia with that frame for Eagles to put on their wall uh, commemorating this great football season. And actually I gave uh, Frank an Eagle one with uh, the Eagle Stadium in it for his house. You know, I gave him uh, the helmet with that Eagle Stadium in the background. It's a beautiful, a beautiful piece. So right now, Paul, we're working on some things and talking to some, uh, excuse me, some places that can carry the product. And uh, uh, we're excited about it. And uh, we just have to wait and see what happens before I can really go into detail. But I'm just letting you know and letting the fans know they can still go to, it's, it's after the season, so they can go get the helmet or they can go to uh, our website, frameyourgame.com and get the helmet, and uh, we sell the metal plates on that on the website right now. They can go there. And I, and I will say, Paul, I've never felt minus 13, 14 degrees, but uh, I have now <laughs> going to Minneapolis, and I, and I don't want to feel it again. <laughs> um, you know, obviously in the Pennsylvania area, it's not as cold as Minnesota, but we do have a winter. So, I mean, you know, I'm kind of used to it. On some level, maybe not Minnesota cold, but I am used to cold. But you get used to it. I mean, you, to me, I'd rather live in an area with the all four seasons. You know, I want I want a little bit of fall, I want a little bit of spring, a little summer, and ultimately a little uh, winter as well. So it, it, it's all for the good. I like it, man. I like it. I like all four seasons. I just don't want it to be as long as it's the twenties or thirties. But when you start getting the minus. They, they're one of the season. They said it's been minus twenty up there for like ten days in a row. That's that's a little too cold. Well, next year it'll be in Atlanta, so hopefully the, the temperatures will be a little better, and um, you know you you'll be able to get out. And were you, were you out and about? I mean, were you outside much? No, no. I got we, we got out. Yeah, we got out during the day. We got out. It was snowing one day, and uh, I went to a little signing, and then we had went out to went out one night. That was the night we went out on that uh, Saturday night, and uh, we got out that night. But uh, uh, Angela was battling the flu, so uh, we didn't. We didn't. We went to the luncheon. So yeah, we we got out a little bit. You know, uh, on the game, the game night, um, we did not get out. So um, we got out Saturday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, when I first got there, I had to go do some on Radio Row, so I went by the mall Thursday. And we got out Friday uh, for the luncheon, and then uh, I had a signing on Saturday, and we uh, we had to taste Saturday night, and we got out Friday night, and we got out Saturday, and then uh, Sunday we just we just relaxed, uh, watched the game, and then uh, uh, got out of there early Monday morning. So we did get out the first few nights and got to hang out a little bit, but uh, like I said, you're gonna deal with that weather when you go when you get outside. <laughs> so fans. Make sure you go to the website, frameyourgame.com. Also, hit this, uh, you know, make sure you go to uh, amazon.com in the search bar, type in Frame Your Game, and you can find some great, great stuff to go out there and support your team and show your team some love. Willie, absolute pleasure, man. Nothing but the best of luck. Thank oh, you. Before we get out of here, before we get, before we get out of here, I know you're a basketball guy. I want, I want to get your quick thoughts on the Cavs. They, they, you know, six guys out, four guys in. I mean, they just turn their team around on the fly. You like it? I like it. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had to. They had no choice. I mean, it was good for L.A. It's good for them. I mean, Lance uh, Jr., daddy played up there, uh, athlete, defender. You got yeah. Clarkson who can fill it up, can score, big, long guy for a guard. You got Hood, who, who's an underrated player, defender by 6'8". And then you got um, uh, George Hill. Who, who? George Hill. George Hill, who can who can play? He's having a down year, so they got a lot better. They got a lot more athletic, you know. And they kept some pieces. You know, I feel bad for uh, Isaiah. You know, with everything he's been through, as as great as he played in Boston, and I still don't think he's right out that injury. And uh, and um, you know, for that kid, you know, I know he wants to get paid and. I was very surprised, Paul, the deal that Lou, Lou Williams t- took. You know, I mean, the guy was the average at 23 a year and scored 30 in like 10 games. I, I thought he would have. I think I think that hurts Isaiah in free agency and it hurts guys. You know, this guy takes eight a year when he's averaging 23 a game with the leading score. You know, I I, I mean, I, I thought he should have got double. I said he should have got 15 or 18, whatever, a year. I mean, if guys are getting 35, 40, and he's up to 23, you know, a game, I, mean, I, I thought it would have got a lot more than 8 million. Often Rivers is making 10, 11 million a year. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, yeah, Lou, Lou Williams is filling it up this year. He's having a big-time year for the Clippers, putting up some big-time numbers. And, and and I think, you know, Cleveland, the team that they assembled, you know, on the off season was old, not very athletic, and, and just didn't mesh well with each other. To your point about Isaiah Thomas, we don't know. It doesn't seem like he's 100%, but it also may have looked like it seems like him and LeBron really don't play well together. And, and you know, and we also see how talented. I mean, I I thought, you know, Kyrie was more talented than Isaiah Thomas. And I know Isaiah Thomas had a huge year, had an MVP caliber season a year ago. But, I mean, you know, I, I I thought this would work a little better. I thought it would work a little better. It didn't, and I think Cleveland recognized that they needed to do something quick, fast because well, they what don't. Did, what, what they didn't how defend. Good how good was Isaiah? Was it the system? I think part of the reason he was so good in Boston, I think it's the system that made him more special than obviously. Uh, you know, it was more the system. If he, you know, can that transfer? Because before he got to Boston, he, he was good. But he was never that good. So, was it him as a player? Was it, was it the system, or was it a little, a little combination of both? It, it could have been a combination of both. Of the, you know, at the, you know, he was a guy that had the ball in his hand a lot too, in uh, in Boston. And so, obviously, with LeBron, you're not going to have the ball in your hand the way you would in Boston. I mean, that was his team. That was his show. But I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, it, it does. You do feel bad for him because he was in a great situation in Boston, and you know, was a big part of, of bringing that franchise back. He goes to to the Cleveland. You know, that was a team that was expected to contend for a championship. Now he's off to Los Angeles with a team that's not going to make the playoffs, and maybe it's a situation where he gets bought out, and he'll be able to sign with a contender. We'll see what happens. But I mean, Cleveland had to do something, and they did it. And they, you know, it's better to fix it now before it's too late. And ultimately, you want the opportunity to bring LeBron James back, though that might be very hard to do. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what LeBron decides to do in the off season. Should be interesting. 
it's, it should be interesting, but I think they made themselves better and given themselves a chance and opportunity to possibly get back to the NBA Finals. I don't know if they're good enough to beat Golden State or Houston for that matter, but I know they're good enough at this point to get back to the NBA Finals. We'll see, man. Appreciate it, Willie. Thank you for having me. Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe. Pleasure talking to him. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash in, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Also, you can go to the website, goforradio.com, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForGant. Hit us up on Facebook at GoForGant and support all the great things going on. We'll go for it and Paul Gant. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great day. We hope you have a great night. See you later. Take care. Bye.